Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. There are smart and not so smart ways that you can communicate with the people in your life. Unfortunately, the majority of us end up defaulting to a type of communication style that only causes frustration, anger in relationships, and honestly, dissolution because it doesn't seek to clearly communicate and listen to the other person in order to identify core issues and move forward in the best way possible. You have probably seen many people in your life communicate with others in a way that you sat there and thought, oh my goodness, this is a disaster. About a year ago, I was doing some relationship teaching at an organization and actually talking about pies. And I remember there was a couple there and right in the middle of my presentation, they began to fight with each other. And I was sitting there listening to how they were communicating. And I thought, this is where their problems are stemming from. They're not using a smart way to communicate. They're attacking each other. They're not listening to each other. They're only seeing things from their own point of view. And unless one of them begins to change the way they approach the communication, they're going to stay in this gridlock forever. That's not what I want for your relationships. And I know that's not what you want for your relationships either. Today, I'm going to be teaching about a principle called SMART communication. Now, if you know anything about me and have followed me in the things that I do over at Marriage Helper, then you have heard me talk about it as smart contact. Smart contact is actually a different technique than what I'm going to be teaching today as it focuses specifically on how to get someone to speak to you who has distanced themselves from you, specifically a romantic partner, such as a wife, a husband, could even be used with a boyfriend or girlfriend. But that is way more in-depth on specifically how to speak with someone who doesn't want to speak with you. But over the past couple of years, I've began looking at the concept of how to communicate in a smart way with people in our lives, because what I have taught with smart contact is not just something that should only apply when a relationship is in trouble. It is the smartest way to communicate with the people in our lives, whether it is our spouse, our significant other, our children, our parents, our coworkers, our boss, our employees. There are principles of this that need to be implemented in the important relationships in our lives in order for the best, most effective communication possible. That is why I have begun to develop smart communication. It takes similar principles, but expands them to deal with many types of relationships, how to communicate clearly, effectively, all while strengthening your relationship. I look forward to diving into this topic with you on today's episode. Hey. 
Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of how you can assess yourself and see the areas of attraction that you feel most confident in and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. All right, let's talk about how we can communicate smart in the relationships that we have in our lives. What I'm going to be teaching you today is an acronym. And if you have been following the other concept of smart contact, then some of these principles are going to sound familiar, but I actually have a whole new acronym that I am really fleshing out and working through and I'm going to be teaching you in today's podcast. So Listen up because it is new stuff with a little bit of new slants and new takes. And if you're saying, Kimberly, I have no idea what you're talking about with the smart contact or anything like that, you don't need to because I am going to be giving you a new framework on how you can approach communicating in the relationships that you have in your life. And remember, this can be used and should be used with your significant other, with your children, with your boss, employees, with your next door neighbor, your parents, your brother, your sister, even that really frustrating in-law that you have, this concept can and should be used. I can't tell you how many times I work with people, I teach them the best ways to communicate with clarity, with the best possible outcome for strengthening the relationship. And the people come back to me and they say, I tried it and it didn't work. I'm going to be real with you. The things that I'm teaching you today don't not work. Now, let me clarify what that means. There are things that if you do them, they will work in strengthening and laying the best foundation for a relationship. Now, there's a caveat in that, which is you can do all of the right things. And the person that you are talking to still has the ability to choose how they are going to respond. And that's something that you are never going to be able to control. That is our free will. That is what we get to do as human beings. 
There have been times in my marriage when either I am speaking to my husband or he is speaking to me and he is doing it. He's speaking to me in the best way possible. He's staying calm. He's trying to listen to me. He's asking me questions. And it might be because I have had a bad day. Something else frustrating has happened. I'm anxious about something. Whatever it might be, I may not respond to him in the way that I should, which is my choice in that moment. It's not the right choice, but it is the choice that I end up having in that moment. Does that mean that how he chose to act towards me was wrong or didn't work? No, it does not mean that when he did all of the right things. You'll see what I teach you today, you will not be able to say, oh, that's wrong. All of them are things that work and it is the best way to treat other human beings. There's, you can't argue with it. But I would still have the ability to choose to respond in a way that is negative or or pushing him off or ignoring him, which would be my choice and ultimately my fault. Now, should that change the way that he continues to try and interact with me? The answer is no. Ideally, he would continue to be calm, to be asking questions, to be listening to me, all of those things. Because that is what will pave the way for future communication to happen better. If anything works, these things will. Because they are the very basis of what we need as human beings to feel psychologically secure, to understand that we are safe to be able to open up eventually. All of those things will be in what I teach you today. Now, I could... Still, like I said, I could choose to not do that. But if I continue to see that consistency from my husband over time, then over time, unless I have just a completely hardened heart, which again, is not my husband's responsibility, if unless I have a hardened heart, which I could, I might, I mean, I don't, but, <laughs> but it happens. People do get this way because of things that happen in our life, then he is laying the foundation for me to be able to open up eventually. See, here's what typically happens. Communication in a relationship, whether it's with your children or your boss or your significant other, it typically disintegrates over time. It's typically not something that after one bad conversation, we change everything about our outlook of that relationship and the other person and automatically don't feel safe. It, it, could if it was a really terrible interaction that left a lot of trauma and a lot of scars. But typically, it is a consistent behavior of bad communication patterns that ends up leading to continued negative communication in a relationship. So we can see this with parents and children a lot. The parent is more focused on trying to control their child's behavior, wanting them to do exactly what they want them to do. They don't ask their children how they feel. They're not trying to emotionally connect with their child. They're not listening to their child because many times parent th- parents think I'm the parent. They should just listen to me. They should just do what I tell them to do. And that might work when they are three, four years old. But as your children get older, They need to feel respected. They need to feel heard. And if you want them to be opening up to you and want to come to you about difficult things in their life when they're teenagers, then these are things that you need to start doing with them when they are young, because it is the consistency of the communication pattern that makes a difference in relationships. Now, earlier I said, 
unless someone has a hardened heart. Someone could have a hardened heart based on the past experiences in your relationship. They may be reluctant to think that anything's going to change and they don't trust the change in communication. Or it could be something that had nothing to do with you, a past experience, a traumatic event in their life that has led them to be more guarded, more closed off, and less trustworthy or open overall. One question that I get very often is people saying, how do I make my significant other, my child, my coworker, how do I make them get help for their past trauma? How can I make them get counseling for childhood experiences? How can I make fill in the blank? And the answer to that question is you cannot make another person do anything. And I know that's not the answer you want to hear. You can only control you. And in what I am teaching you today with this framework for smart communication, if you follow this every chance that you get when you speak and communicate with the people in your life, then you're going to do the best things that you can be doing in order to pave the way for future help for this person, where hopefully they will soften over time, they will begin to open up to you over time, and maybe over time, as it becomes an option, you can begin to offer the option or encourage them to seek counseling or to read a book or to get help. But for many of us who are just starting out with really focusing on being smart communicators in our relationships, we need to build that emotional equity before we say anything like that. Because typically it can come across as being controlling, pushy, nagging, manipulative, and none of those are going to help you build the emotional equity. So instead, what I want you to clear your mind and simply focus on is what you can do to be a smart communicator in your relationships. So let's start and dive into smart communication. The first step of this is stop pushing people to do what you want them to do and start softening. So many times we begin many of our conversations in our life based on what we want out of someone else. You could see this maybe at work if you're an employer who has a team member under you and you are really seeing that they are not performing to the level that they want to be. Then it might be your first reaction to want to address that conversation, just launch in right in with them by saying, hey, you're not performing up to X. Here is what I need you to do. And while there is nothing wrong with having that expectation, if you start the conversation in such a way where the person feels like you are pushing them to do something and they don't feel an emotional, relational connection, that you care about them, that you trust them, that you have positive things to say about them, then they are likely to begin to shut down and not listen to you. And they may end up doing what you say, especially if you're their boss and they have to listen to you in order to get paid, but they may not like it. They may not like coming to work. They may not like having conversations with you. They may not end up liking their job and they end up doing things hesitantly or reluctantly or begrudgingly. 
simply to get a paycheck, which is what no one wants. Everyone wants to have a team that's excited, passionate, great communicators, loves their job, loves to be there because it ends up making everything better. We can also see this even in families, again, going back to the thought of parents and children, right? Typically, we want to tell our kids what to do, but rarely do we take the time to really listen to them and soften towards maybe what they are going through in life right now. Maybe you have a teenage child who puts their headphones in every day that they get home from school, can't get off their phone, just is addicted to it, and doesn't want to spend time with the family. It may be your first response to go into their room, rip their phone out of their hands, take their headphones, and say, you're not getting this back until you begin to spend more time with the family. That's an option. Not the best option, because all of a sudden, they are going to resist. They are going to rebel. They're not going to like it. They may do it, but inside the way they feel about doing it may end up leading to resentment to you, towards the family, towards your relationship over time. That's not what you want. And you may be saying, but I'm the parent. I need to get them to do what I want them to do. Yes, you do. Same with team members that you have. If you're an employer, same with even setting your own personal boundaries and relationships that you have. This isn't about simply letting people do whatever they want and not addressing the communication or the conflict. That's not it at all. But it's rethinking the way that we address conflict and that we see the other people. You see, when we start softening towards the people in our lives, then the boss who is angry about the team member who's not performing well may instead begin that conversation by asking questions, by softening their own attitude and saying there might be something going on in their home life, in their personal life. Physically, they may not be feeling well. Let me first investigate why they may not be meeting these expectations that I have for them, which we'll get to in just a minute. With the child, that's not wanting to spend time at the family dinner table, that's always on their phone, it may be worth asking why. Start seeing things from their point of view and soften your heart towards these people. I can tell you one of the best things that I have learned to do and to be completely candid, still have to remind myself on almost a daily basis to do, is to not act or speak out of my anger or frustration. My personality style is that of a very dominant, challenging, high-speed, driven, easily angered person. If you're familiar with the DISC profile, I'm a very high D. And and I want results. I am very task-oriented, all of those things. So it is my first reaction to want to call people to accountability and set them straight. Never has that ever worked to my advantage. When I have entered into conversations in that, as I call it, D mode, where I'm just give me answers, change your actions and behavior and do what I want you to do. Sure, people may have heard me, but they don't care about what I'm saying. They may do it, but they don't appreciate me as a leader 
by doing, by saying or acting that way towards them. There's never good results that come from it because someone, even though the actions they do might be what I end up wanting them to do, their heart's not in it. And in any relationship that we care about, it is more important to connect first with the heart than anything else. Realize that you should soften yourself. As comedian John Christ says, check your heart. (laughs) Check your heart before you enter in to these conversations and make sure that you're not starting the conversation trying to push someone to do something that you want them to do. Does that mean you don't eventually share what your expectations are? Absolutely not. You do need to share what your expectations are, but you don't lead with that. The second part of this is to manage your expectations of others and the situation at hand. Going right along with softening your heart is to also ask yourself, are your expectations of this situation or of this other person too high in the current situation that you're in? I shared in a podcast several months ago now, I believe it was the one on changing the conversation about the conflict my husband and I got into regarding our taxes this year. And so this is the same the same example I'm going to give in this situation as well. In thinking about managing your expectations of others, especially during a current situation. So my husband, his chore, one of his tasks in our relationship is that he handles the taxes. And I'm going to be real with you, neither of us want to do it. I mean, I don't think anyone ever wants to do it, but it is just one of those things that for both of us is extremely daunting, extremely time-consuming, and we just don't want to have to deal with it. We, I mean, we, Both of us dread it. But the way the cookies crumbled, it's his, so he's the one who really has to deal with it. So I might have an expectation that my husband is going to get our taxes turned in early because that's what I would do. Again, I go back to being a very driven person. I like getting things done. I'm task-oriented. Well, my husband is too, but it looks different than how I do it. I want to get things done early. My husband is the kind of person who works better by going right up against a deadline. And that's actually two different types of motivational styles. And neither is worse or better than the other. It's just two different ways that people are motivated. I've learned about it in my PhD work. It's, it is how it is. And so I have to check myself. I may get frustrated or anxious that our taxes haven't been turned in four months early. But I have to ask myself, are my expectations correct here? Because if he still gets them turned in, and he will by the deadline, then does it matter? And should I even share that with him? Is it a battle that I even need to fight? Especially when he's in the middle of doing his MBA, when he's taking care of the kids, for the most part, when I'm working every single day, there are things that he is doing that are taking up his time. And my expectations may be too high in this situation. I believe a lot of times in our life, in our relationships, we end up having expectations of other people that are way too high, that are actually not even expectations we would put on ourselves. We don't share what those expectations are, but then we end up judging the other people in our lives based on 
the unspoken expectations that we have put on them, which is unfair and ends up leading to resentment and frustration in our relationships when in reality, our expectations were too high in the first place. And that doesn't mean that we should not have expectations or wants or desires about the way we want things to happen or get done or the way we want to connect with our spouse. You know, it in our marriage as well, another expectation that both of us have had ever since we first got married was to have a consistent date night, a consistent time every single week to be alone, to connect, to do something new and exciting and fun. But another way that we have had to learn to manage those expectations over the years is to realize a couple of things. Number one, both of us have two totally different definitions of what a great date night would be. So if I put the expectations on my husband to create the perfect date night, and then he ends up doing what he loves to do, what he wants to share with me, then I may end up getting frustrated and angry or unfulfilled by how that date night went because I did not, number one, manage my expectations for the real goal of that night. Was it to simply have fun and do something exciting and spontaneous, which is more my style? Or was it really to connect and spend time with my husband, which should be the expectation of the night, should be the goal of the night? But another way that I can do this is by communicating what I would like to see happen clearly with my husband. I remember I was working with a couple several years ago now, and the wife wanted her husband to send her flowers spontaneously every single week. But when she found that he had put it in his calendar on his phone, with a reminder to send her flowers every single week, she was livid. I remember exactly what she said. If he loved me, he wouldn't have to put it in his phone to remind him. He would just remember to do it. Friends, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I schedule things that matter in my calendar. That is how I know that I need to make time for them and to remember to do it. If you have an expectation of your partner or someone in your life that you're, first of all, not communicating with them, and then second of all, are wanting to even micromanage how they end up doing it, then it is not a healthy behavior for your relationship. For me, I mean, in that situation, I would be thrilled to have a spouse who was proactive enough that they wanted to show me how much they cared by pre-putting this in their phone so that they would remember to do it each week. It's the action and the intention behind it that matters more than how exactly it comes about. The intention and the heart behind it makes all of the difference in the world. And so she needed to check her heart. Why is it that she felt like all of a sudden it diminished the value and the return of this specific action simply because her husband had to put it in her phone? Her expectations were unreasonable. They were way too high and no one could end up living up to those. Do you have expectations of the other people in your life that are honestly too high? 
Or have you clearly communicated the expectations that of things that you want to happen, of ways that you would like date night to occur or ways you would like to connect with your child after school each day, whatever it might be, have you communicated those clearly and not in a way that's dictating and controlling, but in a way that's exciting and fun? Because it's totally different to tell your teenage child, we are going to spend 30 minutes together every single day when you get home from school. Which, to be honest, even as I'm saying it, I think that sounds absolutely dreadful. Who would want to respond to that when someone says it in that kind of voice? Versus, hey, let's pick something that you want to do every single day when you get home for 30 minutes that we can do together. Just pick whatever it is. Get ice cream, go to Target, go for a walk, whatever it is. Let's pick your favorite way to connect. And let's do that every day when you get home from school. Doesn't that sound so much better? We need to do that in our romantic relationships we have in our life as well. Instead of saying, we have to have a date night every single week or whatever it might be, try instead by saying, what are some fun ways that we can connect with each other every week so that we can stay connected, communicating, doing fun things together? What are some fun things or some ways that we could do that? Start with the end goal in mind and then find exciting and connective ways to get to that end goal together. This leads us to point number three, which is to approach others with kindness and respect without attacking. How often have we seen in the news, on social media, people calling other people out and just making assumptions saying terrible things about them, degrading, divisive. It's not the best way, to say the least, for communication. No one can feel safe when the person that they are trying to connect with is attacking them or disrespecting them or even just not being kind. The value of kindness and respect has been greatly undervalued in our current culture. In fact, we are currently living in a culture that says, if you don't agree with what someone says, then you block them, then you cancel them, then you throw them under a bus and you hang them out to dry for everyone else to see exactly what your thoughts about that person is. Half the time, we don't even know the people. We are making assumptions based on what other people say, based on what we see and interpret someone else's actions to be, even though we may not even know the motivation behind it. We make judgments. We are quick to judge, quick to assume, and quick to cut people off. And my friends, this is the absolute opposite of psychological safety and effective communication. This will break relationships, destroy families, destroy cultures, destroy communities. And we are in the middle of seeing this happen right now. What I am asking you to do is to be counterculture. In this regard, I am asking you to place kindness and respect and actually listening to other people higher then you would value letting your own voice be heard because that doesn't get us anywhere. Instead, when you disagree with someone 
or when something comes up that is a sensitive topic, lean into that. Instead of making judgments or assumptions, ask questions to understand the other person's point of view. That's the way that it should be. When Rob and I disagree on a topic, Rob is my husband, when we disagree about something, it it does come more naturally to defend each of our stances. I think that is part of human nature. That doesn't mean we should follow our human nature, but I do believe it is ingrained within us from a young age to defend ourselves, stand up for what we want, even if it's not what's best for relationship. It's more self-serving to do that, to do it that way, but it is better serving for the relationships in our life to actually lean in, listen to each other, and ask questions. Understand the other person's point of view. Understand where they are coming from, or at least seek to. And when we become defensive, when we start attacking other people for what they're saying or how they feel, it puts their wall up, puts their barrier up to where they don't want to be honest or transparent. They don't trust you anymore. It doesn't create that psychological safety that people so desperately need. People in relationships need to feel like they have a place of belonging. They need to feel that they can share with safety and they need to feel like they have future security in that relationship. So they need to know that even if they share something that is not exactly what you may want to hear, that they will still have a place in this relationship for years to come because you will work through it together. Another way that we can approach others with kindness and respect and without attacking is to allow the other person to share and to speak. If you find yourself speaking more often in the conversation than you are finding yourself listening, then you need to shut up. (laughs) I say that with all the love in my heart. And instead of speaking, you need to begin learning how to ask questions. Especially the question, why? Why do you feel that way? Why do you have that belief? What happened that led you to think that way? What story in your life led to that conclusion for you? What are things that impact the way that you think that has led you to have that outcome, that that stance, whatever it might be? Because what you will soon find is that the stories that make up people's lives, impact the beliefs and the values that they have. And it's one thing to hear about a person's belief or value and judge them simply based on what their stance is politically or religiously or whatever it is, but that doesn't tell you anything about the person. It's not until you begin to ask the person about the stories in their life, why they feel that way, why they believe that, what circumstances in their life led to that happening or led to that belief. That is what is going to give you more insight into the person than just hearing what their stance or belief is. So remember when you are communicating that you really want to ask questions Listen to the other person's response and respect what 
they say. That does not mean you have to agree with it. That is another part of our culture this day and time that we see happening so often, which is if you don't agree with me, if you don't do things the way I want you to do, then I'm going to unfollow you. I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to silence you. You don't deserve to have a voice if you don't believe what I believe. It's destructive. If we want to have healthy relationships, we cannot have that mindset or that attitude. That's not the way to win people over. That's not the way to be a source of truth or hope in someone's life. The way that we should communicate with others in our lives is to ask them questions, to listen to them, and to treat them with respect, even if we disagree. Now you might be saying, but what if I have a significant other who is involved in some kind of lifestyle choice or behavior that is destructive to our family and I don't agree with them on what their choice is? You can still respect them as a person while disagreeing with the action that they're choosing. And just because you don't agree with a lifestyle choice they're in, maybe it's an addiction to pornography, maybe they're involved with another person, maybe you have a child who is addicted to drugs, whatever it might be, you do not have to agree with what they are doing in order to show them they are a person of respect. Even if they are addicted to drugs, they still deserve a loving parent. Even if they are in the middle of a pornography addiction, then your partner still deserves to be treated with respect. Here's what that means. The opposite of treating someone with respect is treating them with contempt. Contempt is saying, I am morally superior to you. You begin to resent them, degrade them, look down on them. And honestly, Contempt is a type of disgust. You are disgusted by people that you feel contempt for. As Dr. David Matsumoto, who was on a previous podcast with me about the seven universal emotions, amazing podcast. I highly recommend you go listen. He was one of the wisest people that I have spoken to. And we talked about this. We talked about contempt and how it is such a destructive emotion. It is contempt that leads to hate, that leads to war, that leads to hate crimes. Now, I'm not saying that about you, clearly, but I'm saying it is that emotion that is taught. It is taught inside of homes. The only way it can be broken is inside of homes. And especially when people start having contempt towards other people groups, whether it's religious or culturally or nationally, whatever it is, when people start to feel like they are morally superior to others, that is when wars happen. We cannot let that happen within our homes. We cannot let that happen within our businesses. We cannot begin to believe that we are morally superior to other people, even if they are in the middle of doing something that's wrong. They're still a human they're struggling, they're in the middle of something they can't break free from, and our hearts should break for them, not us trying to break their hearts. 
And it is a difficult place to be. Now, me as a Christian, this might come a little more naturally in my line of thought because I believe that all of us are broken. And if my husband is dealing with an addiction or is in an affair, yes, it's hurtful and it's wrong and his behavior is never justified. But I also look at myself and realize I struggle with things too. He is struggling with sin. I am struggling with sin. I have no right to view him as less than me. And of course, I believe that because of Jesus, I I should love him unconditionally. Now, does that mean I let him continue to hurt me or walk all over me or disrespect me? No, but we can still stand up for ourselves and respond to our loved ones in a way that is strong and calm and gentle without being contemptuous towards them. A lot of this takes intentionality and it takes a lot of practice of just even realizing when we are feeling this way and beginning to change the mindset we have about the people in our lives in order to soften towards them. So, so far in talking about smart communication, we have mentioned to stop pushing people to do what we want them to do and start softening towards them, to manage our expectations of others, especially in light of the situation that we are in, but also to make sure that we are communicating clearly. And we have also talked about approaching others with kindness and respect without attacking while allowing the other person to share and to speak to be sure we're asking questions and that we are not becoming contemptuous. I am going to finish the last two parts of smart communication in next week's podcast, because we still have so much to go over. And I want you to really think and digest on what we have talked about so far. So in summary, here are the key pies takeaways from today's episode. One more time, I'm going to repeat S- M and A of SMART. S, stop pushing people to do what you want them to do and start softening. M, manage your expectations of other people, especially in light of the situation that you're in, and make sure that you communicate any expectations that you do need to communicate clearly. A, approach others with kindness and respect without attacking while asking the other person questions and allowing the other person to share their stories and experiences. The second key Pies takeaway from today is to remember that contempt, the feeling of looking down on another person because you feel like you are morally better than they are, is destructive in every way possible. And the only way that you can begin to move past feelings of contempt is to soften towards that person, to forgive them if needed, to empathize with their situation and their past, and to realize that you also struggle. None of us are perfect. And we all should have someone in our life that is cheering us on, supporting us, respecting us, and encouraging us to be better people. And my third key pies takeaway for today is to give you an action point of something that I mentioned earlier in this episode. 
If you want to start finding a way to connect with the people in your life better, then begin by asking them what is something they would like to do on a daily or weekly basis in order for the two of you to connect together. So maybe that is your significant other. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a team member you have or a parent, or maybe it's even an in-law that you're struggling to have a good relationship with. Now, you may not do this weekly with everyone. Maybe it's quarterly or monthly or even once a year where you're saying, I want to be proactive. What can I do to better the relationships and the communication that I have with people in my life? You might be interested to see the amazing results that come from just simply reaching out and trying to connect. I will see you next week for part two of Smart Communication. Go get your free attraction assessment at itstartswithattraction.com. In this assessment, you will be able to self-assess yourself in all four areas of attraction to see the areas in which you could use the most growth and to identify the areas that you are already slaying it. Go get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.